Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the expository story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. Have you ever had to work with difficult people? Or how about people that just weren't smart? You know, maybe they were just dumb. Or, or how about difficult, dumb people all rolled into one? A complete combination of the two. Have you ever had to work with people like that? Well, Jesus, he had to work with difficult and dumb people all the time, every day. And we're going to see in Matthew 16 where he meets the difficult and the dumb. The difficult, we're going to see where the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the dumb, well, sadly, those were his disciples. See, the difficult in Matthew 16 would probably better be classified as the evil. I mean, their goal was to hurt Jesus' ministry, to hurt Jesus in the eyes of his disciples. Their goal was to tear Jesus down bit by bit in the perception of the people following him. And they wanted to tear him down. Well, in today's story, Jesus encounters the difficult first. See, the Bible says that the Pharisees and Sadducees had come to see Jesus, specifically, it says, to test him. And ultimately, through that test, they wanted to destroy Jesus in the eyes of his followers. So, to do that, they wanted to test him publicly. They would try to stump him with difficult questions or or to get Jesus to somehow act in a way that would disprove that he was who he said he was, right? If you could get people to doubt he's the Messiah, if you can get him to contradict himself, if you can get him to somehow say something wrong or catch him in something, well, another way they wanted to test him, to disprove him, was they would ask for a sign. Now, earlier in chapter 12, we have this story, right, of these same men probably or or other men like him coming to Jesus and asking for a sign. Well, Jesus didn't give them one back then. Well, guess what? They are back again asking for another sign. They want a sign to prove that he's the Messiah. You know, they wanted something that would prove to them that Jesus is everything he said he was. Now, why they felt they had the right to demand from Jesus proof that he was the Messiah, proof that he was God, is beyond me. Because seriously, if you believe Jesus is God, he would not have to give a sign. He's God. He can do what he wants. But of course, they didn't think Jesus was the Messiah or God or any of those things. For a sign, they wanted Jesus maybe to call down fire from heaven like Elijah did when he fought the 450 prophets of Baal. Or they wanted Jesus to do a miracle like like their hero Moses, you know, maybe turn a staff into a snake or part a Red Sea or part a local pond. They wanted some amazing proof that Jesus was who he claimed to be. They wanted this sign, but Jesus kept refusing to give them a sign. He refused to play their game. And seriously, if miracle after miracle, if healing after healing, if casting out demon after demon was not proof enough, then what sign would do any good anyway? And this is what Jesus meant when he says in Matthew 16 verse 3, 
Quote, you know how to read the appearance of the sky, but you can't read the signs of the times? End quote. Jesus earlier pointed out how these Pharisees and these Sadducees could look at the sky and use it to predict the weather, right? They used natural phenomena to make a prediction of what the weather would look like tomorrow. And if they look for those physical signs, how can they be so blind to miss the spiritual sign right in front of them? But they did. And they kept missing it. Why? Because they didn't care. Because they were spiritually blind. They didn't want Jesus to be the Messiah. And so they refused to see his miracles and his sermons and his talks and his teachings as proving anything. These weren't the signs of a Messiah. No, these were signs of something of little importance. But also, these Pharisees and Sadducees who came to test Jesus... They were spiritually dead. And I think they couldn't even see the signs. Even if they wanted to, they could not make sense of what was right in front of them. As Jesus said earlier, they are the blind leading the blind to destruction. But you know what? These men, these leaders, these spiritual leaders, they were worried enough about Jesus that they kept harassing him. They kept testing him. They kept trying to trip him up. Now, you know what's interesting? Is the Pharisees and the Sadducees who came to test Jesus, in real life, they did not like each other. In real life, they were sworn enemies at the polar opposites of most of the religious or social issues of their day. Pharisees, they didn't care too much about civil government. They just wanted the Romans to leave them alone so they could practice their religion. While the Sadducees, they liked the power and they liked mixing with the Romans. And they liked all the prestige and the pomp. And so they were the political elite. And the Pharisees were the political opposite of that. The Sadducees were part of that ruling elite while the Pharisees just kept to themselves and tried to fly under the radar. The Pharisees had a high view of scripture and religion and rules and tradition, while the Sadducees didn't have any of that. They wanted progression, and they wanted to get rid of most of the rules. The the Pharisees believed in the resurrection someday, and the Sadducees didn't. And so in real life, they had nothing in common but the one thing that brought them together was their hatred of Jesus and everything he stood for and all the power that they would lose if Jesus took over. And so they banded together on this day to bring him down. The only problem was their tactics were the same as the last time they asked for a sign. And it didn't work then either because they wanted Jesus to give them a sign that he was their Messiah. And if he couldn't, well, then they could condemn Jesus as a heretic, as a madman. But Jesus, his answer was also the same as last time they tried this. If you cannot read the signs of my miracles, then you don't deserve a special sign. That was Jesus's basic answer. If you can't read the signs of my miracles, then you don't deserve a special sign. And you know what? The only sign I'm going to give you is the sign of Jonah. With that, 
Jesus left, got in a boat, and headed out of Jewish territory to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. See, earlier when they asked for a sign, Jesus also said, I will give you the sign of Jonah. And here Jesus repeats the exact same thing. Quote, an evil and adulterous generation demands a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. Matthew 16, verse 4. What did Jesus mean when he gave the sign of Jonah? What in the world did all of that mean? Well, it meant nothing to these men, and even the men who loved Jesus, his disciples, they would have been confused by what Jesus meant. See, what Jesus was referring to was the fact that Jesus was going to die and stay buried for three days, but then he would defeat death and rise again, right? Well, we as Christians, looking back, reading the Bible, we see that. But the disciples and the spiritually dead Pharisees and Sadducees, they had no clue. See, Jonah, this is the sign, was also in the belly of the whale for three days. That's what it says in the book of Jonah. And then he was spat out right on the third day. Well, Jesus will also be in the belly of the ground for three days, and then he'll be resurrected. But the crucifixion, like I said, was still to come. And these men had no clue what he was talking about. Well, they did, because Jesus had explained the sign when he used it earlier with them in the story, remember? And like I said earlier, these Pharisees and Sadducees had come seeking a sign. And earlier, Jesus had said the only sign he was going to give was the sign of Jonah. And there in Matthew 12, verses 39 through 40, Jesus says, An evil and adulterous generation demands a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was in the belly of the huge fish three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. End quote. See, Jesus explained it earlier. And now these Pharisees and Sadducees are back. So they probably should have known what he meant when he said, I'm going to give you the sign of Jonah, but maybe it's a different set of men. Maybe that sign wasn't passed on, or more probably, they just didn't care. They wanted to ignore Jesus' strange method and strange message. And Jonah and the belly of the earth? What in the world is he talking about? Oh, I just want to destroy Jesus. They hated him, and Jesus knew this. And so Jesus was shorter this time. He said, I'm just going to give you the sign of Jonah. And then he left with his disciples. He walked away from powerful inquisitors because he had no time for them. Well, that was the difficult. That was the evil, right? But now we get to the people that are dumb. And those were his disciples. Now, now they were probably brilliant men in their own right. We know some of them were great fishermen, great businessmen probably, great workers, and maybe some of the smartest, ablest men in the region. But spiritually, spiritually, they were dumb at this point. They just didn't get it. And the thing they did not get was the fact that Jesus was the Messiah, that he was God, that 
He would protect them, that he was all they needed. Jesus, over and over again, performed miracle after miracle right in front of them, but they were still not certain who he was. They think he might be the Messiah. I'm not certain, but he might also be the forerunner of of the Messiah, and maybe he's performing these miracles. I don't know if he's truly God, and you know, I don't know. All these questions. Well, it's because at this point they're spiritually immature, and the full reality of who Jesus is is not dawning upon them. And what happens next is a great example of their spiritual stupidity. See, Jesus had left the Pharisees and the Sadducees and had rowed across the Sea of Galilee and gotten off the boat. They had left those rotten Pharisees and Sadducees behind. But now, now they're hungry. And as they gathered themselves on the beach, having gotten off the boat, the disciples began to look around and their stomachs started to growl. And and one of them, I imagine Thaddeus, I always pick on him, he probably thought to himself, you know, I could use a nice slice of bread. Mm. A nice slice of thick bread. That would be good right now. A big slice with some butter and jam and, and peanut butter if it had been invented yet. Well, in our story, all that the disciples wanted was some bread. Now, in Jesus' day, their bread would have looked like a puffy tortilla. Something they would have baked on hot coals and it would have come in a circular shape. Well, they would have these circular loaves and they would carry them around with him. And I wonder if Thaddeus is like, you know what? I'm hungry. I'm going to go back to the boat and find me some bread. And and I'm going to eat some of that because I know he left some in the boat and I know he brought it over. So he walks over to the boat and he looks around and he looks under this oar and he looks under this seat and he looks under this netting and maybe a bit of the sail and there's no bread. There's no bread. Maybe he yells out, oh man, I wanted some bread. Hey, Peter, where's the bread? It's in the boat, says Peter. No, no, and there's nothing here. What? No, that can't be right. So I can imagine Peter comes running over to check the boat and he finds out there is no bread. Hey, hey, who was supposed to bring the bread, guys? You know, I can imagine Peter asking the disciples, who was supposed to bring the bread? And they all point a finger right at Thaddeus. And I imagine Thaddeus slapping his head. Oh, man, you asked me to bring the bread? I, I-, I thought you asked me to bring my best head, you know, my smartness, my brains. I thought that's what you asked me to bring, my genius. I can't believe you asked me to. Did you really ask me to bring the bread? And then the disciples go over there, and one by one, they start berating Thaddeus. Now, I'm making this whole thing up, okay? I have no clue why they forgot the bread. I always like to blame Thaddeus for things. But all the Bible says is that they were discussing amongst themselves that they didn't bring the bread. They're hungry. Somebody must have forgotten it. Somebody must have left it behind. 
and they now realize they're on the other side of the Sea of Galilee with nothing to eat. It's getting late in the day, and they had nothing to eat. How are they going to eat? And maybe Thomas starts to worry, and, and Matthew tries to work out the mathematical ways they could go back and try to work out using the, the wind and the waves to get back to get some bread, and they're having this big argument, and I can't believe you forgot the bread, you idiot Thaddeus. They're arguing. So, gee, we do know Jesus walks over and he sees the disciples arguing over who forgot the bread. Where was the bread? Why did they forget the bread? Blame, 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 blame. And then Jesus comes in, looks at them, stops them talking. They look at their master. Jesus says this in Matthew 16, verse 6. Watch out and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. What? I imagine the disciples just sort of stare at him. And I can imagine a smile maybe coming on Jesus' face as he sees the cogs working in their brains as they're looking at him. You know, maybe Peter's thinking, whose fault is it? Is Jesus telling us whose fault it was? The, the Pharisees and the Sadducees? And maybe John's thinking, is Jesus saying the Sadducees took our bread? And maybe James is thinking, no, 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 no. He's saying the Pharisees took it and... You know, maybe Andrew turns him on someone and says, no, he's saying the Pharisees and the Sadducees added leaven, ruining our bread, That's, and we have nothing to eat. And Thaddeus, you know, he's thinking, what's leaven? And is it going to be sprinkled from the sky? Can we eat it? I, I'm so confused. Where are we again? And Jesus, realizing that his disciples have no clue what he is talking about, he says this. Quote, you of little faith. Why are you discussing among yourselves that you do not have bread? Don't you understand yet? Don't you remember the five loaves or the 5,000 and how many baskets you collected? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many large baskets you collected? Why is it you don't understand that when I told you beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees, it wasn't about bread, end quote. Jesus then walks away. The disciples, like I said, are pretty spiritually dumb, but I think here at last they get it. But I think in getting it, they understand how shallow and dumb they really have been. They were yelling at each other about bread, about feeding their bellies. They were nervous about how they were going to eat and whether they were going to go hungry that day. But they now realize they shouldn't have worried about their bellies. They shouldn't have worried about their physical needs. Jesus fed all those people and Jesus reminded them, didn't I feed four to 5,000, up to 20,000 people with just a few loaves and fishes? Couldn't we quit fretting about eating and instead have faith? Jesus fed all those people, four to 5,000, up to 20,000 people from just a few loaves and fishes. 
Couldn't we quit fretting about eating and instead have faith that Jesus will provide for us? And instead of fretting about food, we need to be spiritually focused, disciples. Spiritually aware. You know, they're beginning to realize that their leader, Jesus, is afraid that they're being duped by the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. When you hear the word leaven, you can hear the word lies or hear the word corruption. And Jesus is worried that the, the lies of the Pharisees and the lies of the Sadducees, the leaven that they're teaching, will impact the bread of life that's right in front of them and the bread that they're eating, that it will impact their understanding of the truth that Jesus is trying to teach them. You know, they're the Pharisees' insistence on law-keeping or, or the Pharisees' insistence on keeping external laws or maybe the Sadducees' desire for power and control. Maybe all of that was on display, you know, when the disciples were quarreling over the bread. And Jesus, in looking at their quarreling and their discussion, is worried they are being infected by the leaven of their thinking, right? Jesus is worried that they are being infected by the Pharisees and Sadducees' thinking and by the leaven that they're speaking. He is concerned that the lies, the leaven of the Pharisees, is beginning to infect their lives, the bread of the disciples. And then they understood. It says in Matthew 16, verse 12, Then they understood that he had told not then they understood that he had not told them to beware of the leaven and bread but of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees how spiritually dumb are these guys right they didn't get it at first they were seeing the world through the eyes of the flesh and Jesus Jesus was asking them, warning them to see the world through a different lens, the lens of his teaching, the lens of his word. And Jesus is asking the same question today. Are you growing in your faith? Are you beginning to see the world through a Bible-saturated, spiritual-saturated, Jesus-saturated lens? Are you seeing the spiritual truths Jesus is trying to teach you through his word, this Bible, scripture. Are you seeing that? Or the truths he's trying to teach you through circumstances or through the Holy Spirit's work in our lives? We met two groups of people today. One group was spiritually difficult, spiritually evil, while the other one was spiritually dumb. One group was spiritually dead. The other group's spiritually dull. And I hope I am neither. I hope you are neither. I hope you've accepted Jesus as your Savior. You've asked him to be your Lord. You've put your believing faith and trust in him. That you're going to spend the rest of your days being a follower of Jesus. If you chose that, you are not spiritually dead. You are spiritually alive. And if we're in that other group, man, I hope I'm not spiritually dull. I hope I'm not spiritually dumb. And I hope I'm growing in the knowledge of God, of Jesus. I hope we all are being filled with the Spirit and growing. 
and growing our spiritual eyes, our Bible-saturated eyes, so that we can understand when our Savior speaks to us, that we will have spiritual ears to listen. Thank you for listening to Baldhead Bible Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week. Thank you.